0: Hello, welcome to Extra Virgin, a podcast for gourmands who love to travel and travellers who love good food. I'm your host, Natasha Mirosh, an insatiably curious food and travel writer who's toured and tasted her way around more than 60 countries. Join me now as I talk to the people who make travelling and eating such a delicious adventure. Hey there, welcome to Extra Virgin Food and Travel i can't believe it's already the end of february and this is my first podcast of the year my excuse is that i've had a busy january and first half of february with lots of domestic trips firstly to minjira bar Strabark island then the sunshine coast the McLaren Vale wine district in south australia then i went up north to the southern great barrier reef that trip included a day trip to lady Elliot island which is a second home for amy gash who is going to tell us all about what it's like growing up with your own island, the truth about the health of the Great Barrier Reef and what you are likely to see both below and above the water. Amy, great to have you on Extra Virgin. Thank you so much for having me. Amy, for all the listeners who might not know, can you situate Lady Elliot Island for us?
1: Yeah, no worries. So for those that aren't aware, Lady Elliot Island is actually a coral cave the southernmost island on the tip of the Great Barrier Reef, 80 kilometres northeast of Thunderbird, and the only access to Lady Elliot Island is by aircraft. The island is really small. It's about 42 hectares. You can walk around the whole island in about 45 minutes. Hmm.
0: And why can't you get to Lady Elliot by boat like you can with most barrier reef islands?
1: Yes, great question. A lot of people do ask us that question. The island is 80 kilometres from the mainland, so it'd be a very long boat trip, about four to five, six hours long. Mm. So not practical for, you know, frequent steps. Mm. So from the start of time with Lady Elliot Island, when tourist operators have been operating in that region, access has only ever been by aircraft.
0: Mm. How does that compare to some of the other islands, the distance from, from the mainland to some of the northern islands?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the islands up in the northern parts of the Great Barrier Reef are known as inshore islands, so they're really close, really close access by boat. There is a reef, the outer reef on the northern parts of the Great Barrier Reef that you can access by boat from about one to two hour boat trip. But Lady it's really special because as a coral cave, the fringing reef is straight off the beach. Hmm. So you can snorkel straight off the beach and you're on the Great Barrier Reef.
0: Cool.
1: And your
0: family, Amy, don't own the island as such, do they, or the resort that's on the island? Can you explain that and what your family's position is?
1: Yeah, sure, that's correct. We don't own the Lady Elliot Island Eco Resort or Lady Elliot Island. It's actually managed on behalf of the Commonwealth of Australia by the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority. Our family and several partners have been the current leaseholders of Lady Elliot Island Eco Resort since 2005. We see ourselves as the custodians or stewards who at this point in time are working to restore and replenish the environment whilst providing one of Australia's most unique eco-tourism experiences on the Great Barrier Reef.
0: Okay, we're going to talk about that eco-focus in a bit, but can you tell us a little bit about the history of the island?
1: Sure. So maybe it actually has quite a unique and rich history. So... Going all the way back to the 1800s, the island was actually mined, which is quite weird to think about, why was Lady Elliot mined? But it was actually mined for guano, which is bird poo. Mm -hmm. So bird poo is actually really high in nitrate and phosphate, which at that time was used for fertiliser around the world and also for gunpowder during the Civil War. There was a period of time where the island had a really unique lighthouse community as well. lighthouse that was built on lady elliot was in 1873 so it's actually 150 years old this year so that's really exciting for us we're going to do a bit of a celebration for that lighthouse history this year and then it was in 1969 when the first tourism operations began on lady elliot john adams who was a keen conservationist at the time and also an aviation enthusiast he would bring guests from harvey bay So Lady Elliot on a day trip for snorkeling and diving. So since then, there's been about four other leaseholders and we are the current leaseholders since 2005. People did live on the island to operate the lighthouse. There were three lighthouse keepers and there'd be one lighthouse station person who would look after the operation of the lighthouse for a period of time. That lighthouse was decommissioned. Once the vegetation started to grow and outgrew the current lighthouse, There's now an automatic light station and it's managed by the Australian Maritime Safety Authority. Hmm.
0: And it wasn't only the guano mining that decimated the island of its vegetation, was it? There were also some wild goats, I believe.
1: (laughs) Yes. So after the guano mining ended, there was a period of time where the Queensland government introduced goats. So these goats were introduced for shipwrecked sailors. So basically we suspect there's a food source. So these goats would basically eat any vegetation that would start to grow. So the island had kind of no hope at replenishing its own environment. And did, was there many
0: shipwrecks on the island? I mean, it seems quite extreme to leave food there for possible
1: shipwrecks. Well, that that's true, but the island is actually known as Shipwreck like Island for a period of time. There's about 200 known ships that have run aground around Lady Elliot Island over the years. And Amy, what was it like for you? So your family
0: took over the island in 2005? Yeah, 2005. 2005. So, what was it like for you growing up with the island as your second home? I mean, it's like a childhood dream come true having your own treasure island to play on, isn't it?
1: yeah it is like that it's like a bit of a story but we actually first were introduced to lady elliott island in around 1997. my family provided the air charter service to the previous leaseholder flying their guests in and out of the island every day so i first visited lady Elliot island when i was about five years old so if we put that in perspective and i'll give away my age that's about 25 years ago that i first visited lady Elliot. i was actually born and raised on the gold Coast. And thanks to the access via aircraft, we were frequently able to come and go from the island. So I spent a lot of my childhood on the island, exploring with family and friends. So it is a really special place to me and my family.
0: You must know it like the back of your hand after all those years. I mean, it's not very big. Yeah,
1: pretty much, yeah, pretty much could know every little nook and cranny around the island.
0: And Amy, you are actually a pilot yourself, aren't
1: you? Do you fly to Lady Elliot when you visit? That's correct. I am a pilot. I'm a private pilot and I have been endorsed on the Cessna Caravan aircraft that we fly to Lady Elliot Island. But as a private pilot, my license doesn't commit access for commercial activity, but I do fly in a private capacity with my family.
0: Oh, how exciting. And that is a, I have to tell you, listeners, it's a very interesting and exciting flight. It's a very short flight, which I love, but you just get this incredible view of the island and I mean, it just looks like a tourist brochure. It's just amazing. And then you come in for landing on that tiny, very short airstrip that sort of runs Mm. down the middle of the island. And it's a bit scary, but it's, you know, it's an amazing way to arrive on the island. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. It's a very exciting arrival to Lady Elliot. (laughs) And
0: Amy, Lady Elliot builds itself as an eco resort. And I know... Eco sustainability—they're they're kind of terms that are bandied about a lot lately, particularly in the tourism industry. So I want to talk about the resort's credentials, and then we'll talk about what actually you're doing on Lady Elliot.
1: I guess the way to start is Lady Elliot Island quite unique. It doesn't have any access to the main water, mains power, or even like a local garbage truck. So being so far out to sea, the island has to be fully self-sufficient before we took over the resort the islands ran on 500 litres of diesel fuel a day which is approximately 550 tonnes of carbon emissions that were being Mm, emitted into the atmosphere every year so Mm. a significant amount yeah when my dad knew that we were the successful lease holders in 2005 it was his vision to reduce the resort's reliance on traditional fuel and to transition to renewable energy so he had that vision of running and operating a sustainable eco-resort on the Great Barrier Reef. Mm. It was in 2008 when the first of its kind hybrid solar power station was built, and now the island runs basically off 100% solar power in good weather conditions. have over 900 solar panels and 240 batteries for storage capacity. So we also have to manage all of our food waste, which is approximately 200 kilos of food waste a day. Mm. but it's composted into an on-site composting apparatus which is used as part of our as mulch basically as part of our revegetation program Mm. so a lot of these sustainable initiatives over the years has allowed us to achieve significant eco and sustainable certification status and we have been awarded with numerous awards for ecotourism and sustainable initiatives and Excitingly we just heard today that we are a finalist for biodiversity which is for our revegetation program in the Banksia Foundation's National Awards so that's really Congratulations.
0: Exciting for us. So you've grown up in this family who are really concerned with conservation not obviously just about the island but in general what is what what was your your father's motivation what kind of has that come from his family or is it just a love of nature that has inspired him to make these changes on Lady Elliot
1: yeah I think speaking from what he's told me over the years is he's just always had a deep love and connection for the environment and for nature he's always had the most memorable experiences when he's seen out in nature, snorkelling, diving, hiking, and he's just thoroughly enjoyed ensuring that we can protect and preserve these locations and these pristine environments for future generations. So he likes to think ahead on, you know, mm. what the generations are going to enjoy into the future.
0: Because mm. of course, what happens on the land deeply affects what happens in the water as well. I want to okay. talk to you a bit about the replanting because you and I had a little look around your nursery and, mm. you know, I've seen the photos of what the island looked like before. It was literally just, you know, coral, you know, white yeah. coral and nothing yeah. else. Like it it, it was yeah. totally decimated. What's the plan? And, and I mean, the nursery is quite substantial. How do you choose which plants to replant? Are you removing plants as well? How does it work?
1: yeah so that's a great question so yes the island it was devoid of any vegetation after the mining period in the 1800s when john adams came in the 1960s and 1970s he started to replant different types of species that may not necessarily have been native to a coral cave but were quite essential in establishing a ground base for vegetation to grow into the future so previous leaseholders have all continually been planting and replenishing the environment with different species over the years. In 2005, when we took over the resorts, this was something we thoroughly believed in, in restoring the island for all of our guests and obviously for the future. So in 2005, we started with volunteers as part of this program. And we now have a significant partnership with the Great Barrier Reef Foundation and the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority, who have allowed us to accelerate this program. So in since that time, I think that's about 15 years, we have planted well in excess of ten thousand trees on the island. So the island has now had fifty percent of its land mass revegetated, with basically the process is removing the non-native species and planting native species to coral caves. So there's different ways in which we do that and we have qualified and specific people that help us in understanding what vegetation is suitable to different areas on the island. And we grow that inside our nursery, which is actually, I think, one of the largest Coral cane nurseries on the Great Barrier Reef. Hmm.
0: The island is home to huge amounts of birds. Anybody who's been there, when you <laughs> when you come out, you will see them, you will hear them, you will smell them. Before that you had that revegetation, were those birds there?
1: I don't believe there would have been as many birds as there are now because as more vegetation has been introduced, it has allowed for more habitats to grow for these birds during their nesting season.
0: Mm. And when is the nesting season?
1: So you do see birds on the island all year round, but between about September through to March, April is our peak nesting bird season. So there's hundreds of thousands of seabirds that come to Lady Elliot and migrate in those months of the year. So it can be quite loud, it can be quite smelly at times, but it can be the perfect place if you're a twitcher to enjoy that, (laughs) to enjoy those birds.
0: Well, tell us about some of the species because I'm not I'm not a twitcher and I don't know a lot about birds, but it was fascinating seeing some of them and I believe some of them travel quite a long distance to nest on Lady Elliot.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, I'm definitely not a bird expert, but I do know some of the most frequent birds that visit Lady Elliot. So we do have our white cap noddies. A common noddies and our crested terns, which do nest most of the, that period of time we do also have these beautiful frigate birds that are very large in size that like to sit up in the upwinds around the island and they they're really beautiful to look at. We do have our buff banded veils, which are basically just a land based bird. They don't really, you don't really see them flying very much, but they're usually pretty cheeky and like to hang around the restaurant. So, yeah, there's so many different species that you can go and, you know, get your bird watching <laughs> book out and go cross them all off the list. We have the most beautiful red tailed tropic bird. So, these are really rare birds, only found in two locations on the Great Barrier Reef. Rain Island right up in the northern parts of the Great Barrier Reef which actually has no public access and on Lady Elliot Island. Basically they nest on the doorstep of the beachfront units so they're really special. They're these big white birds with a massive red beak and a really big tail that's bright red so they're really easy to spot but they are definitely the most beautiful bird. Do you get lots of bird watchers coming to the island? Yeah we do actually. We do have a lot of bird enthusiasts that come to the island and just nature enthusiasts in general that are coming to look for that you know nature back Mm. to nature experience Mm.
0: well let's talk about under the water we hear a lot (laughs) about how the reef is dying but certainly on my visit it looked pretty healthy both the coral and you know so much marine life what how is the health of the reef around the island
1: Mm. well i think what's really important to understand is the great barrier reef is the size of italy or the size of Japan, its expanse stretches well over 2,000 kilometres from the tip of Australia right to the bottom here at Lady Elliot Island. The reef has suffered tremendously over the years from climate change factors such as coral bleaching, ocean acidification and warming water temperatures. But With such a large living structure, some parts have suffered more than others and some parts have seen incredible bounce back through these turbulent times lady elliott island is located at the southernmost tip on the great barrier reef and as i said over 80 kilometers from the mainland so we have been really lucky in the sense that we haven't been subject to any mainland runoff or significant warming of the sea temperatures so the island has experienced bleaching over the years there's no denying that but it has restored to a healthy vibrant reef and as you said you saw it for yourself the reef is the reef surrounding the island it's just magnificent
0: Mm. and it's amazing that you can just literally step into the water when I was waiting for my my flight back I walked to the lagoon which is Mm. a very the very shallow bit on the island and Mm Looking down and seeing the clams and the little fish and everything, it was so clear. It it was like I wasn't even looking through water, you know. It was just incredible. But obviously some people come to, to dive and some people come mm-hmm. to snorkel. I've snorkelled the northern end right up near Cape Tribulation, and mm-hmm. I have to say that I had a better experience at Lady Elliot Island in terms Mm. of the marine life that I saw but what are some of the what are the differences in terms of the experiences of both snorkelling and diving wise at Mm. this southern end of the Great Barrier Reef?
1: I haven't done a lot of snorkelling myself in the northern part so I can't speak too specifically on the northern parts of the reef but what I do know is both the northern and southern reefs are different and beautiful in their own right. So Lady Elliot Island particularly, it's only located eight kilometres from the continental shelf. So we're really fortunate to have the deep, cool upwellings that come from that area of the ocean. With those upwellings brings the plentiful of food source for manta rays and larger megafauna. So that is why we believe we are one of the larger aggregation sites for manta rays on the east coast of Australia. Mm-hmm. And why you have some of those really unique larger marine life experience than you might have in other locations Mm.
0: so tell us about some of the things you are likely to see when you go snorkeling or diving at lady elliott
1: sure so lady elliott it's actually home to 1200 different species of fish so you can see a myriad of different fish species as you go snorkeling we've got green turtles loggerhead turtles and hawksbill turtles I think when I was with you that day, we saw two very large male yeah. turtles in the shallows at turtle beds when we were snorkeling. So that mm. was really special. Mm. We are also known as home of the manta ray, and we get that status because for about 15 years, there's been a research program running on Lady Elliot Island called Project Manta. And this particular research program has been identifying individual manta rays that are sighted on Lady Elliot. And over 1,000 individual manta rays have now been sighted around Lady Elliot Island, which they believe is one of the largest aggregation sites on the east coast of Australia. Mm -hmm. So that's why they get that status. You know, you also see reef sharks. We have some different species of reef sharks out there. You'll see different species of rays. Yeah, there's so much to see. Now, reef
0: sharks are not dangerous. They're the (laughs) the black-tipped ones, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So we have black-tipped reef sharks gray reef shark, white tip reef shark. You do definitely see them when you're snorkeling around Lady Elliot Island. I've had some really beautiful encounters with reef sharks in the lagoon and on the western side of the island. It's just a really special experience. Mm.
0: And the the manta rays are Mm. also not dangerous at all are they?
1: That's correct they're harmless to humans.
0: Mm. And you get some really they can be really big can't they?
1: yeah that's right the manta rays you know they can stretch four or five meters in wingtip to wingtip and yeah. we have a pretty special famous manta ray on lady Elliot island known as inspector clouseau <laughs> so this particular manta ray manta rays have a coloration of black on their top and a white belly but this particular manta ray has a black top and has a bright pink belly so he gets his name from the shaded pink coloration on his underbelly Inspector Clouseau being the only world's known manta ray that has this black top and bright pink belly. It's not really, it's not really fully understood why the manta ray has this pink coloration. Mm. That Project Manta team, you know, they're trying to determine with their research based on you know biopsies and different research strategies as to why it has this coloration, but it's still yet to be determined. Mm. but it has caused a lot of stir around the world, especially on Valentine's Day. I've seen a few <laughs> pink man-to-ray photos shared around that time. Oh. But it is really special. First sighted on Lady Elliot in about 2015 mm. and about seven times since and only ever sighted to our knowledge on Lady Elliot Island. Have you seen him? Personally, I haven't, so it is a bit disappointing that I haven't seen him. But I think you've got to be in the right place at the right time. Now, this
0: is not a Loch Ness monster no. kind of setup, is it, Amy?
1: <laughs> no, definitely not a Loch Ness monster setup. But he is known as the elusive pink manta Race, so I think you've got to be pretty lucky to see him.
0: Oh, look, I was terribly excited to see the turtles and swim with them, mm-hmm. and they're also huge and really grumpy looking, aren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, they do have a bit of a grumpy face. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're absolutely beautiful and they can be some of the most amazing encounters you can have swimming with turtles.
0: There are a lot of them there and they come to nest every year, I believe?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So from about November through to March, we have our green turtles and our loggerhead turtles nesting on the island. So they basically come ashore, make their way up the beach, they'll dig a nest, they'll dig an egg chamber and then they'll lay about 80 to 150 ping pong sized falls into mm. this egg chamber. They'll cover the nest up. They'll make their way back down to shore. And then eight to nine weeks later, between about February to April, those little turtle eggs will merge as turtle hatchlings. And you can see them scurrying down the beach as they make their way to the ocean. So that's a really, really magical experience to have on the island if you can see it.
0: Mm, Well, I was lucky enough, not on on Lady Elliot, but back on the mainland to see Mm. that. And I have seen turtles Mm. laying as well. And it's just, it's such a a humbling and wonderful experience. Quite old, aren't they, when they come back? Like, I think it's 30 or Mm. something, 30 years old before they start laying for the first time?
1: Yeah, they don't start laying till they're quite late in their lifespan, 30, 40 years old. So, yeah, they... You know turtles are critically endangered so it is important that they lay their eggs and they replenish their populations because i think only one in one thousand turtles actually make it to you know full growth
0: and is there a season where the coral spawns
1: off lady Elliot? there is a time that you can see coral spawning it is an annual once a year event which usually happens around november december but it's really dependent on full moon the water temperature the tide so Mm. you've got to kind of have everything right at the right time Mm. it's really hard to pinpoint an exact date with coral spawning Mm. but it is a really amazing event if you get to see when all of the corals mass spawn and release all of their eggs and sperm
0: I've, I guess it's a bit like seeing the Northern Lights, you know, you've got to just be in the mm. right place at the right time. I've also heard this described as the world's greatest sex show, which <laughs> yeah. I love that description. I have description.
1: Heard it described as that as well, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the best time of year to come is depends on what you want to see, right? So there is mm. also a, a time of the year when the manta rays are more frequent? That's right,
1: yeah, best time of year is hard to kind of pick an exact time but it depends on i guess that nature calendar that you want to experience so manta rays you do see them all year round, but their peak aggregation time of year is around may to august i think last year there was an aggregation of about 50 to 70 manta rays off the western side of the island so and that was in about august september so that is definitely the peak time to see those manta rays and at that time as well between about june to october you actually see the migrating humpback whales so they leave antarctica and they make their way up to the northern parts of the reef where they carve and they have their babies and you'll, they'll basically pass lady Elliot as they go north and as they head south again they'll pass lady Elliot. they'll head south with their babies and that's an amazing experience to see and if you're lucky enough you might see the whales in the water incidentally oh, while no. you're snorkelling you'll most likely see them on the glass bottom boat if you're lucky and you'll most definitely see them while you're flying to and from harvey bay or Bundaberg as you you know depart the island so that's really special oh
0: i'm going to come back for that so you (laughs) you talked about flying so you can you have got accommodation on the island but you can fly on a day trip is that right
1: yeah that's right so we do have accommodation a 44 room low-key eco resort for those looking to stay overnight and we do offer day trips from Gold Coast, Brisbane, Harvey Bay, Bundaberg, and Agnes Water so we basically cover all of the major cities in southeast Queensland for a quick day trip for Lady Elite Island.
0: Which is pretty amazing to be able to just fly out to the reef for and, sp- yeah, that's and spend right. the day there yeah. and it is a very low-key resort this is not your mm-hmm. kind of fancy glitzy it's about conservation and research and it's it's family friendly and it pip- definitely
1: is we do say that we're a low-key resort and that we are three and a half star with a five-star reef experience <laughs> will provide you <laughs> with a clean and comfortable room with the basic necessities however we say to expect a digital detox because there's no telephones there's mm. no wi-fi no tvs in your rooms
0: i'm interested in who your typical guests are because On my particular snorkeling trip, I was really surprised to see how many foreign guests there were. So we had, I think there were four or or maybe even six Californians. There were some British people, some Canadians. And that really surprised me that Lady Elliot's reputation has travelled that far, yet a lot of Australians don't even know about it.
1: Yeah, the majority of our guests We find that just eco tourists looking for that unique Great Barrier Reef experience, someone looking to get back to nature, unwind and explore that surrounding environment. So there was a period of time there the last three years during COVID where we didn't have any international visitors. That was quite disheartening at the time. But since the borders have reopened, we've definitely noticed a strong return of our international guests. Most commonly, we find our guests are traveling from the UK, USA and Germany So, yeah, it's really fantastic to see and it's great that our conservation messages and our eco-resort and sustainable initiatives have made it their way all the way to those locations. Mm,
0: I did speak to a few people asking them how they found out about it Mm. actually and they said that they had read travel articles. So, obviously the words getting out there are are broad. So, Amy, how many people are on the island at one time with the day-trippers and the overnight guests?
1: So our capacity numbers are capped based on our lease requirements. So we can go to one hundred and fifty overnight guests, 100, and 100 day guests. it's really rare for us to reach those numbers. Mm. It is our yeah, it's our goal to minimise our footprint on Lady Elliot as much as possible. So. That involves keeping our visitor numbers low to allowing our guests to enjoy that intimate reef experience. Mm. Well, it certainly didn't
0: feel like you were surrounded by lots of people. I mean, there was heaps Mm. of room to spread out and have Mm -hmm. your own, do your own thing, and which was Mm. really, really nice. So, can you tell us what a typical day for a day guest and a typical experience for an overnight guest would be?
1: Yeah, sure. So, for the day guest, a typical day. Starts with that beautiful scenic flight you were talking about before. So you can fly from, if you flew from the Gold Coast or Brisbane, your flight's about an hour and a half long. And you get to see the beautiful sights of Surface Paradise, Gold Coast Floorwater, South and North Stradbroke Island, Morton Island, the Tangalooma Marettes, the coloured sands at Rainbow Beach, and even the hundreds of lakes over Zari, Fraser Island. Mm. In the winter months, that those that fly from Harvey Bay or Bundaberg, it's about a 30 minute flight. They will be lucky to spot the migrating humpback whales in Platypore Bay and Harvey Bay as they make their annual mi- migration north. So that's a really special and almost a whole experience in itself. That beautiful scenic flight. Mm. Once you, yeah, once you arrive to the island, you do an island orientation and you basically get fitted straight away with your fin snorkel and mask, mm. and you head straight out onto the reef. You're basically going to do an introductory to the reef tour, which includes a 30-minute glass bottom boat tour with one of our guides, And then you'll spend 30 minutes snorkelling in one of our prime snorkel locations. On, well, As we said before, on your day trip, we actually saw those two massive male yeah. green turtles at our turtle cleaning station, so that was really special. After you've been snorkelling for half an hour, you've been out in the boat for almost an hour, you're probably ready to have some lunch, so we have a full buffet hot and cold lunch included for our day guests. And as you enjoy your well-deserved lunch, your view is basically over our beautiful tidal lagoon. So it's a really great way to refresh and replenish for your afternoon. After lunch, we allow our guests, they can either enjoy the island at their own pace or they can join one of our guided activities, which might be fish feeding, a reef walk, history tours, or some people like to join our behind-the-scenes tours, which give a lot more information into how we run and operate the eco resort the flight then departs in the afternoon depending on which day trip you're on at a different time back to your origin port and that day trip concludes so yeah it's a pretty awesome experience for a day mm. and what about
0: if you're staying overnight what might you do
1: yeah for an overnight i mean our average length of stay for i guess it's around three nights so it gives you a full experience but if you are short on time we do have some really great flight that depart early in the morning and late in the afternoon so you'll get two full days on the island if you can only stay one night once you arrive you do an island orientation just familiarizes you with the island you can head straight out into the water you can go snorkeling if the lagoon tide is high enough or you can head out on one of the glass bottom boats so included in our overnight accommodation is a complimentary glass bottom boat tour as well per person and then you get to enjoy the evening. So one of my must-dos is sunset drinks at the lighthouse around 5 p.m. every day. That is one of the best spots to watch the sunset. And the thousands of seabirds that return from the ocean to, to the island in the afternoon. So it's such a sight. It's really beautiful. And you can have a cheese platter or you can have a glass of champagne or your drink of choice. And it's just a really great way to unwind after a day exploring the reef and then at night time we have five different accommodation types on lady Elliot that range from budget style accommodation with our eco cabins right up to our two bedroom beachfront unit which are the more preferred accommodation in the summer months because there are air conditioning in those units as well but there are a few other different accommodation types in between so depending on the accommodation type you're staying in you enjoy a beautiful peaceful night on lady elliott you might hear the birds in the background because that's usually pretty common at the summer months and then wake up and my recommendation is a sunrise snorkel in the lagoon if the tide is right the water clarity is absolutely beautiful the Mm. reef is alive the turtles are vibrant the reef sharks are swimming around and if you have a camera it is the most beautiful light for photography so a sunrise snorkel is definitely a must
0: Mm.
1: we have the full buffet breakfast included for an overnight guest and some lunch you can purchase from the cafe and just explore the island at your own pace. There's no rush around Lady Elliot's. Heaps of complimentary tours for you to enjoy before you fly off again in the afternoon. So, yeah, an overnight or a day trip, you can really immerse yourself in nature. And you can really enjoy the island at its full potential. Mm,
0: I love the look of the, the cabins it, it feels quite desert islandish with your mm-hmm. overlooking the lagoon there and yeah mm-hmm. it's it's really it's really quite special now I just want to backpedal a bit because you mentioned cleaning stations and I don't know if our listeners mm. necessarily know what they are but it's the first time that I've seen one I've, I've read read about them a lot but going out on the glass bottom boat and seeing that tell our listeners what a cleaning station is what's so special about it
1: Sure. So I'll try to explain it to the best of my ability. I don't have any marine science background, but I have snorkeled a lot around Lady here. So a cleaning station is basically where animals that are unable to clean themselves, things like a manta ray or a kernel, will head to a specific location on the reef that basically have a cleaner fish. So a lot of wrasse type fish, things like that. And those fish, basically their whole life is they go around and they clean larger marine life. They remove all the algae that this larger marine life can't get off themselves because they've got to stay nice and healthy and clean so that's the importance of a cleaning station and those little fish and all of those other cleaning fish will basically be there all the time and keep keep those larger marine life clean and healthy.
0: It was quite extraordinary to look down through the glass as you said like the water the water clarity Mm. is incredible to look down so deep into the water and see it's like like everybody's waiting patiently in a line, mm. like at a bus stop or something. It's quite yeah. extraordinary <laughs> yeah. as they're kind of waiting That's their turn. Right.
1: That's right. And some of the larger bombies where the mandarins hang out there'll be thousands of little fish and you'll have four or five manta rays swimming around being cleaned and that can go for an hour or so so if you're a scuba diver or a snorkeler it's really great to find one of those cleaning stations because the marine life hang around for a long time.
0: Mm. And tell us what a bommie is because you'll hear that a lot when you go out to Lady Elliot.
1: Yes that's a great question so bommie is just an outcrop of coral that you'll find separate from a reef aggregation. So Amy are you a diver as well? I am a scuba diver. I definitely prefer snorkeling personally. I just enjoy the, I don't know what what it is about it, but Mm. I snorkel and free dive. But I do have my dive ticket as well and have done a lot of diving around Lady Elliot as well.
0: Mm. Well, let's get an insider's knowledge. What are your top diving and what are your top snorkeling spots around Lady Elliot?
1: Sure. So I think, as I said earlier, my most... My favourite snorkel location would definitely be Channel One in a lagoon at sunrise on a high tide. You can see—I don't know, like I think one of the snorkels I had about thirteen turtles in one spot there, just all hanging out on the high tide. You can see heaps of reef sharks and so many fish. And I love underwater photography, so the light is absolutely amazing at that time of day. And you can get some really beautiful photographs.
0: And it's very shallow there, isn't it? So it's 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 good for people mm, who perhaps haven't snorkelled a lot, or Ooh, for younger yeah. people.
1: Yeah. So the lagoon, I mean, it's only two and a half meters deep on a high tide. So you can get really, really close to the marine life and feel like you are almost in a little fish hole. That's so really awesome. I think another one of my favorite snorkel locations would probably be Coral Garden I don't know we didn't actually get up there on your day trip but it's one of our prime snorkel spots and the Coral Gardens has a couple of coral arches so it's some outcrops where you can actually swim through them so it's quite a unique experience and there's a lot of large ropers and big eye trevally that like to hang around those spots big coral formations just really really beautiful to look at and swim around so definitely one of my other second favorite spots and if you're a diver, you definitely can't go past Lighthouse BOMI, which is also known as the manta ray cleaning station we were talking about before, where you can have four or five manta rays above you cleaning around the bomby in formation, and you can sit on the sand on your knees as a diver and watch them in the oar as the gentle giants just slide above you almost an hour. So, I mean, you'll run out of air before they leave the cleaning station.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Amy, what is the future for Lady Elliot Island? What are the plans?
1: That's a great question. I mean, in a sustainability perspective, we'll always continually be building on our sustainable initiatives. We'll always be continually looking at how we can improve our renewable energy capacity, adding more solar, more battery storage capacity maybe the introduction of wind power. We're obviously always looking to improve our guest experience and making sure our customers have get the best value for money. So we're always completing renovations and work on all of our accommodation to make sure that they're up to a high quality. And we'll always be working on our revegetation program and continuing to support those research groups so they can learn and educate us and everyone else about the beautiful environment and ecosystem of Lady Elite Island. Mm.
0: Well, listeners,
1: if you're in
0: Australia or if you're Australian and you've never been, it's absolutely amazing to be able to go for just one day even, to fly up there in the morning, fly back in the afternoon. It's, it's quite an extraordinary experience, even if you're not a diver, even if you're just a snorkeler like I am. So, Amy, I, I'm deeply envious of you having this fantastic second home. You're very, very mm-hmm. lucky I know it's it's got to pinch
1: itself at times.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I hope to make a return visit and maybe uh, even stay overnight next time and uh, see what else there is to see underneath the water. Thank you so much, Amy Gash. Thank you. Thank you so much for
1: having me. It's been such a pleasure. You're welcome. Thanks, Amy.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Extra Virgin Food and Travel. Thank you, as always, for your company. And wherever you are in the world, bon voyage and bon appétit. You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe, rate and leave a review. And if you'd like to help support Extra Virgin and keep us ad-free, Please consider buying us a virtual coffee on the website www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com